What is up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here. Our church vision for 2021 is that we would be a body growing stronger and listening to this weekly sermon podcast, actively applying what God is teaching you as you walk with him, rest in his power, and invest in the relationships that bring him glory is a great start. Remember, you can always check us out online at fathom.church or find us on the Church Center app, YouTube, or Instagram. Find our Fathom Church page on Facebook and make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group to keep up with everything happening at Fathom. Lastly, we just want to remind everyone about our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. Hop on over there, listen in to some really great conversations applying Sunday's sermon to faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. What is up, Fathom fam? It's so good to see you. Happy Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Come on, are you excited to be here? Awesome. I want to say welcome to everybody at home uh, joining us from uh, afar. Maybe you're uh, visiting another church this weekend because you're out of town with family. We're just so grateful you're, you're all with us, and uh, we're excited to just uh, dive into the Word of God. I just want to remind you, if you are a guest here with us today, we do have uh, a cool little gift for you. Just as you leave, uh, connect with us. We'd love to just be able to hook you up with a gift card to Duck Donuts. It's good. Donuts and coffee. Why not? And so stop by our Connect Center on the way out. We'd love to, to take care of you there. Um, ever since I was probably in about 10th grade, I've kind of had a particular interest in nonverbal communication. It was the first research paper I ever had to write was actually on nonverbal communication and like uh, you know, picking up cues and different things. There was this show that came out years ago called Lie to Me that I really liked because he just would kind of dissect people's body language and images. And I could go through here and my studies and really dissect your body language today. I feel like we've all had to get really good at this over the past year as we've been wearing masks and trying to guess what someone else is thinking or saying because we can't understand what they're saying. So we've watched their eyes uh, for much of it. And we, we've tried to figure it out. The, the ancient world actually really believed that the eyes were the window to the soul. Uh, this, this came from a, a couple of hundred years before Jesus uh, came to, to earth, that um, they, they believed that the eyes were the window to the soul, that, that we were able to kind of figure something out of what's going on. In the, like, now you're going to be looking at everybody's eyes, like, what's really going on in the head? Yeah, we, we, we've been doing that for a year um, already, and, and, and we begin to tune into that. This is something that Jesus actually took this idea and elaborated it and helped us understand this in a much deeper uh, way. In Matthew chapter 6, um, right after the kind of his famous line where he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, in Matthew 6, 22. The next verse, he says, the eyes are the lamp of the body. It's, it's this idea, but he's, he's using a different word. He uses the word lamp. And he says, that if your eyes are healthy, uh, then, then essentially your, your soul is going to be healthy. If your eye is healthy, then your, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. What Jesus is, is really saying is, hey, there's, it's actually the light's coming from within, and so, but the, our eyes tend to reflect what's really going on inside of us. And oftentimes, just depending on who you are, you can hide your emotions really well, 
or at least you think you do. <laughs> I'm in that group that thinks I hide my emotions really well, and I don't near as much as I'd like to. And then other, others of us, we, you know, we wear our emotions on our sleeve, like a, a blind man knows what we're thinking, <laughs> right? We knows what we're, we're feeling. And so wherever you fall into that, I just feel led to just tell you, God knows where you're really at. He knows what's really going on in the depths of your heart, and he, and he wants to meet you right where you're at. Just as he met the disciples and all those that he, he appeared to and, and, and showed up in their life, I believe he wants to show up and meet you right where you're at. There's not one person that Jesus is not calling out an invitation to meet us. Not, not where people think you are, not what your face says, but where you're truly at in the depth of your spirit. God wants to shine the light of his love. And as I look through the Gospels, and I'm so thankful that we have all kinds of different accounts throughout the Gospels, all kinds of different people seeing Jesus. Hundreds and hundreds of people who saw Jesus. And uh, we're going to kind of reflect through a few of those. But one phrase really stood out to me as I was studying the scriptures, and it's found in Mark chapter 16. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, and that'll be the foundation for today's message that I've entitled, uh, Look Up. Look Up. Uh, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother, uh, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away? A very practical question from the entrance of the tomb. Verse five tells us that, um, verse four tells us, but when they looked up, they saw Something different than what they expected. They expected the stench of death. They brought oils to be able to anoint Jesus' dead body, not his living body. Mary had anointed him before, and he or she was planning to anoint his dead body, but that's not what they found when they looked up. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed to say the least. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He's risen. He's he's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him, just as he told you. Something shifted in their countenance and their entire lives when they looked up. And I believe the message is to us today, no matter where we find ourselves this morning, no matter what sadness or suffering or grief you find yourself in, no matter uh, sitting in the shadows of your failures or, or, or your disappointment, we can look up. No matter what fears you're wrestling with about the present or future days, you can look up. No matter what your soul is searching and no matter where you're searching, if you look up and look to the Father, you're going to find hope. You're going to find life and the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ. So I kind of want to break this down in a few emotions, emojis. When, when emojis first came out, you know, like the texting emojis, I hated them. I hated them so much, but they really grow. They grew on me. And now I do, I, I do lots of emojis. I, I like, I like the emojis. Don't, don't hate on my emojis. Um, because it just communicates something, right? It just, the, the picture communicates what we're feeling. And so as we go through some of these emotions or things that we may be feeling, our, the, the, the shape of our soul, the condition of our soul, 
right now, you could probably identify it with an emoji if you really had to. You probably, in fact, in the past 24 hours or the past week, you've probably identified the emoji in a text to a friend. Um, and I think maybe some of us, maybe we've been dealing with sadness. We've been, uh, we've been dealing with grief. We've been dealing with loss or suffering in some ways, and it's caused us to be sad. Uh, the emo- uh, not the Emoji Movie, I called it the Emoji Movie in first service, uh, but the Inside Out movie, the Disney movie, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, there's a, there's a few characters and they all have like uh, this emotion, they're like an emoji of sorts, and um, the, these are the feelings of this little girl that she feels, and, and one of them is anger, and he's always angry, and these emotions that are going in between us, and, and there's one that's joy, and she's always happy, and disgust, this emotion. And my favorite character happens to be sadness, though. She's just so depressing and awesome. Like, I just, I, I love sadness, and she's just got a comedic relief to her. At one point, she, my favorite quote of the, of the movie is where she lays down, and she says, crying just helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. I just... Just, sometimes we just need a good cry. Just, it just helps us obsess over the weight of life's problems. And I think all of us have been well acquainted with, um, with, with sadness in the past year. We, we, we may, maybe it's come out as anger, but really often what we're dealing with, we're actually dealing with, with sadness. All of us today in this room probably know of somebody who we thought would be around with us today, and, and, and they're not. I know in my family and friends, like there's, there's quite a few if I'm really honest, and actually in about a month from now, I, I want to do a teaching on, on grief and loss, and, and we're going to move into that. But, but this, uh, there's a couple of passages that come to mind because Jesus' disciples were dealing with loss. They were sad. In fact, there's a couple of them um, in, in Luke chapter 24. Taryn was talking about them earlier in Luke chapter 24. There's these two men that are walking from Jerusalem to uh, a place outside of there about seven miles called Emmaus. And these two men, we know one of their names is Cleopas. Cleopas. And they're walking, and, and, and I love the picture. I love the picture that we get in, in the scriptures that, that really tells us um, that Jesus uh, just kind of sneaks up in their conversation. Hey, have you ever done that? Like, you're just trying to work your way into a conversation, and you're just kind of awkwardly entering and just kind of hang out until someone acknowledges you. Well, they're just walking, and Jesus just kind of creeps in. Uh, and we'll pick up here in verse 15 of Luke 24. Uh, but while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and he, and he went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he, and he said to them, what's this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? He's like, he's playing dumb. Like Jesus, <laughs> he knows what they're talking about. They're talking about his death. Talking uh, uh, about that in this moment. And he said to them, what's this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking, looking sad. Uh, it's not just these men that were feeling that, because these, these, there was many that were feeling this uh, of his disciples. These are probably of the same men that just a week before at Jesus' um, uh, entry into Jerusalem, these are the, probably the men who were laying their coats saying, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Yes, he's the, he's the long-awaited one for Israel to come and restore, and they'd put their hope in him. These are probably the men who were putting down the palm branches to say, yes, this Messiah is the king, and he is our victorious king to, to bring victory back to Israel. And then here they stand looking sad. Our circumstances and our experiences have a way of affecting us and they're feeling this in this moment and as Taryn said it wasn't until they broke bread with Jesus that their eyes were opened 
It wasn't just uh, Cleopas and his buddy or friend that, that were, were walking along and feeling sad. Mary sat outside the tomb weeping in this moment. The angel said to her, why are you weeping? Jesus asked her the same question. Why are you weeping? Again, Jesus playing down. Jesus isn't dumb. He knows why she's weeping, but he's trying to draw something out of her. He's trying to connect to the deep parts of why she's sad so that he can bring her the hope and the message of the gospel. You see, this is sadness and suffering and grief. It's part of our human experience, but God meets us in it, and he draws us into a hope that goes beyond this life, a hope that is eternal in nature. Uh, Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, I won't read the whole text, but it says not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that, that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. We found out we're a lot stronger than what we think. Like, we, we've built some endurance to hard things. Some of it's just, it's a hard shell, and we're just growing harder inside, but spiritually, when we submit our lives to Him, it's actually growing endurance for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. I, I want to call you today, wherever you're at, if you find yourself sad, things haven't worked out like you thought, just look up. Just turn your eyes and fix your eyes on Him. He's calling you, and He has hope for your life. We can rejoice no matter the circumstance because of the eternal truth that Jesus is the victor over the grave. We have great hope today. It's not just those that are dealing with sadness that come to mind as I, I look around uh, in the Gospels. Um, but I, I'm also thinking uh, about those who have sinned and those who, uh, as I'll call today, sulking in our failures. Sulking. Uh, you, you ever find yourself sulking? There's an emoji for that. right? It's just like this. It's just that kind of, you know, hunched over face, face downward. I think we've seen a lot of sulking. Um, I think a lot of us, we know how to throw a good pity party. Better than we know how to throw birthday parties, we know how to throw a good pity party for ourselves. Anybody like know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we find ourselves sulking. We've seen a lot of failure in our world. In fact, it's been disillusioned. It's made us a little bit disillusioned to failure a hardened that we're not even surprised by failure by a politician, an athlete, a pastor. We're, we're not an athlete, pastor, but an athlete or pastor. We're, we're, we're just, we've seen so much of it. Oh, yeah, it's just another one. But we've seen that failure in our own life and we find ourselves sulking. we looking downward on ourselves, feeling the guilt and shame of our, of our sin. That's, that's what that is, guilt and shame. But in Christ, there is no guilt and shame. I, I love the passage in John chapter 21, as Peter, the, the lead disciple, Jesus prophesied that he would deny him three times before the rooster, rooster crowed twice. And, and he indeed denied Jesus three times over, a massive failure for the one that Jesus said, you're the rock on which I'll build my church. Jesus shows up to him. This is the third time that Jesus has appeared to the disciples in John chapter 21. And he finds the disciples out fishing out in the water. They're doing what fishermen do. They're fishing. And there's theologians go back and forth whether the disciples, were they just kind of forsaking the call of God because Jesus had not risen? I mean, he died. They're just kind of moving on. I guess, I guess that was a hoax. I guess it was, it was nothing. And so they commentate on that or whether they were just going out trying to 
have some fish. And I think it's neither here nor there for, for what I want to share with you today. But they're out there nonetheless and fishing. They're doing what fishermen do. They're professionals at this. And it's not going well. It's one of those nights in which nothing's working. You've probably had one of those in the past week, right? Monday's usually that day and nothing's working. The computer's not working. Nobody's responding to you. Things aren't going well. We can't get anything thing done. And, and then he's frustrated at work. Things aren't going well. He's feeling and sulking over his physical failure of fishing and also his spiritual failure of denying Jesus. And Jesus meets him at work in his frustration in the middle of his failure, sulking over that. He's, he's looking down to, to, as Jesus calls up and, and Jesus says, hey, why don't you throw your nets on the other side? It wasn't Peter that even could recognize Jesus through the fog of the morning. It could have been the fog of the morning or it could have been the fog of his own failure. That he couldn't recognize Jesus. He was so blinded to his own frustrations and caught up in the practicalities of life that he, he didn't look up to see it was Jesus. It's John, uh, the, the one who Jesus loved. John likes to quote, uh, talk about himself, the, the one who Jesus loved. It, it's him who says, no, no, it's the Lord. And Peter rushes out to him. He, he, he swims. He just like jumps and he goes to, to see Jesus. And, and after they had thrown their nets on the other side and they, they caught all these fish, he, he shows up to the shores only to find that Jesus already had fish. He already had breakfast prepared for them. You see, there's a lot to be said about that in our own life, in our own spiritual nature. Because many of us right now, not just in the practicalities of life, but spiritually, we've cast our nets on the wrong side. We've been looking for hope and success in all the wrong places. Uh, just uh, like the angel told the women at the tomb, that you're looking for the living in the place of the dead. You're not going to find the living in the grave. Some of us are doing the same thing. And we're trying to find hope in our own success, in our own holiness, in our own perfection, but that's not where it will be found. We'll find life in Jesus Christ. We'll find hope and redemption in Jesus Christ alone. See, there's a, a spiritual image to this. As they're out laboring, Jesus already has the meal prepared. You see, our righteousness is not about what we bring to the table. He's already prepared the table for us, Psalm 23 says, he's even prepared it in the, in the presence of our enemies. When the enemy seeks to steal, to kill, and destroy your life and your family by, by convincing you of a gospel that's not the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope of the good news that's presented in the Bible. So if you find yourself sulking in your own failures and your own sin and shame, look up, look up. I, I, I love the way the psalmist talks about, about God in, in so many verses. But I particularly love uh, when the psalmist says, he, he calls God, he's the lifter of my head. He's the lifter of my head. How many times have we found ourselves head down? It, it's this intimate picture of a husband and wife. If my wife walks in, my beautiful wife, Taryn, if she walks in maybe feeling insecure or, or feel like she's failing as a mom or a, a wife or as a pastor's wife, feel like she's failing in some ways, it's just this intimate picture that the husband would just lift her head and say, no, 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 you're beautiful. You're perfect. You're perfect just the way you are. And God calls us into this relationship in which he lifts our head, looking down on our own failures. He calls us to the cross in which he made all things right through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done. 
And so if you find yourself sulking in your own sin, in your own that, lift your head and let him lift your head to the cross where our sins have been paid for. Uh, the, the, the third emotion that I really see in the text as I begin to scan around is this uh, emotion of fear. It's actually one that all the angels, every single kind of glimpse we see in Jesus himself is constantly saying, don't be afraid. So if you're scared, I'd say, look up. Uh, when I was in college, I think I was probably a sophomore in college, um, and some of you have heard this story, I've shared it before. I, was, uh, I, I went to school like nine hours away from home, and, and one uh, time on a break, it might have been an Easter break, in fact, I, I decided to come home, and I, I, my brother came and picked me up, um, like kind of halfway, and had a friend drop me off. And so my car was not out front that night, but I snuck into my bedroom in the middle of the night, and my mom didn't know I was sleeping in my house. Isn't that just creepy? Just to think like someone's sleeping in your house and you didn't know it. Well, she didn't know it until the next morning when I picked up the phone and called her. She's in her room, I'm in mine, and I'm talking to her. So her mind is just, you know, I'm at school, I'm probably getting breakfast or something at, at the dining hall, and, and I just begin to walk through the house. And she doesn't even pick up that my, my voice is getting closer and closer until I walk in the room and she hears my voice behind her and she turns around. You talk about alarmed, you talk about terrified. She was white as a ghost, like terrified, thinking, I mean, this is the only thing I can kind of relate this to that these women were feeling when they were at the, at the tomb. They were alarmed and, and terrified. And so many of us were actually dealing with a lot of fear and stress and anxiety about we're fearful of death. We're scared. we're scared to die. We've seen a lot of it. We're fearful about the future. We're fearful of how we're going to make it financially. We're fearful over whether our business is going to make it, whether we're going to lose our job. We're fearful over uh, what's going to happen to our children in the world that we're living in. We're, we're fearful. If we're really honest, we're scared. And I want to call us, if you're scared, look up. Look up. Because We'll go and we'll see Jesus for ourselves, and he is our hope, not just for this day, but for the age to come. Scriptures tell us that perfect love casts out that fear. Does that mean that, that fear will not be present in our life, that we're not going to feel the emotion of fear on a regular basis? No, we're going to feel it. But we can reach out to God. We can look and turn our attention to God, and that fear just begins to wipe away in the presence of God, and it, and it begins to be consumed well, first by, by love and then by faith. Like, no, no, God, I see you. I, re, I'm re, I remember the cross. I remember what you did to show me how much you love me and you care for me. And so I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in faith because I trust in you. So many of us were living in fear. As I was praying about this part of the message and just the fear that we see throughout the scriptures and constantly over and over again, uh, we're told, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just because someone tells you be a, don't be afraid. Oh, cool. Easy for you to say. You don't have to pay my bills. It's not your kit. All the things that we begin to think through. We have all these excuses for it. And so it doesn't matter just someone just telling us we've got to be able to receive that word. We've got to be able to look up and turn our attention. I think Mary is a beautiful example that in the midst of fear, in the midst of not having all of the answers, she looks up. I love this poem about Mary. It says, Not she with traitorous kiss her master stung. Not she denied him with unfaithful tongue. She, when the apostles fled, could dangers brave, last at the cross and first and earliest at the grave. 
I love that passage. It just shows that, hey, yeah, she was scared. She didn't have all the answers, but, but she was worshiping God, even in that moment, believing to the very end and coming up to his tomb, uh, despite all the pressures from the outside to distance themselves like the disciples had done. She walked in courage and in faith to meet Jesus and then to go and tell the message of Jesus that he truly is who said he was. And I, and I just want to speak this. God was just speaking to me so deeply in this. There's some of us who the fear that we're living in is, is not fear of death. It's, it's not fear of the future. It's fear out of everything that God has called us to. It's fear that we're dealing with of actually letting go and surrendering our life to him. Some of us, some of us that's the, the deepest fear we have right now. Is what if I say yes? He's going to call me to change everything about my life. And it's, it's the reality. But how it happens is not how you think it happens. It doesn't happen by, like a lot of churches you possibly grew up in, if you've ever been around church, where it's like, hey, you need to do all these things. No, no, it happens by an inner longing to do and to follow the path of God. That, that's the way of the cross. That's the way of the gospel. It's not from me telling you, this is all your things you're supposed to do. It's by me pointing to the word of God and you looking to the word of God and saying, no, this is the life that he's called me into and I'm going to surrender my will. And I think some of us right now in this very room and watching online or listening, driving down the road, your greatest fear is actually saying yes to God. And I want you to release it in Jesus' name that you may have hope eternal and have hope today and you may walk in the call of God. It's scary, it's wild, it's the best thing you'll ever do. It's the best decision you'll ever do. Can I get an amen today? Walk in that, walk in it. Don't walk in fear, look up. Walk in faith and know that he has plans for hope and a future for your life. Final place as the, the, the gospel um, story continues and, and the, this, the pinnacle of the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus, that he is who he said he was. There was a period in which it didn't make sense and so many of the disciples have, have seen him, but not, not everybody. If there's one phrase I've heard over the past um, year from politician and scientists, it's, we're going to follow the data, right? You ever heard that? We're going to follow the data. We're going to follow the data. Well, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus, we need to follow the data. <laughs> because it wasn't just Jesus appearing to one or two or just 12 disciples. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Jesus appeared to 500 people at once. If we were in a court setting and, and, and we said we had one eyewitness testimony, be like, okay, cool. Well, that doesn't refute other people who, who say differently. But then we have two witnesses and any attorney, like, I'd like to have two eyewitnesses going into this. If we have three, they're like, case closed. That We don't have three witnesses. We have four gospel accounts, um, which are, are verified historically, historical documents. And, and if you begin to actually watch the history that unfolded, the kind of insurrection that's happened, they were afraid of losing control. It, it's just so clear. But 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that he appeared to over 500 at one time. And Paul says to, to the Corinthian church, hey, if you don't believe them, just go ask them. Most of them are still living. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses over the weeks and, and, and days following Jesus' resurrection. It's incredible to so follow the data of the gospel because I think a lot of us, we need to follow the data of the gospel and of history because here's the reality. Some of us, that what we're dealing with is we're still searching and I want to call you if you're searching to look up. 
I'm going to call you to look up. Just, just like uh, the angel said to those women, you're, you're looking for the living among the dead. Some of us are doing the same things. We're searching in all the wrong places. We're, we're searching for security in our 401k. We're searching for love in the next swipe right on Tinder. If you don't know what that is, ask one of your kids or your teenager. They'll explain it. Searching for satisfaction in the next Netflix series, or the next substance, something to take the edge off. We're searching, we're looking around. Some of us, we're, we're searching within. I hear that from all the time. I'm just really doing some soul searching, and, that, and that's good, search your soul. But why don't you ask God, God, will you search me? Like the psalmist did somewhere, God, will you search me? I can do all the soul searching and I, I want, but if I don't have God search me, it's just me kind of making a better moral version of myself. That, that's not, that, not going to get us into heaven. That's not salvation. That's moral modification. That's, that's what the world's trying to do. The gospel of Jesus calls us to look up and all your searching, don't look for the living among the dead. I don't know what you're searching for, but I know Jesus met a man who, he was searching, man. He had heard the testimonies of everybody, but frankly, he was not okay with just going off of everybody else's word. He needed to see Jesus for himself, and that was Thomas. He often call, he is called Doubting Thomas. He, he was struggling with some doubt. Everybody's saying this. He's like, but I need, I need to see it for myself. Verse 24 of the gospel says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. What a bummer, right? Wouldn't you just be depressed like, I'd be really struggling. I'd be mad. I'd just be jealous in the moment. And like, can I just be real? Some of us who are non-believers in the room or online right now, you're jealous of what other people have, if you're really honest. Because you know they have hope and you know you're missing it. Thomas is feeling that. And, and the other disciples told him, we, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the, the marks of the nails and, and place my finger into the mark of the nails and, and, and uh, place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. And eight days later, his disciples uh, were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, I love this detail. It's so wild. We don't see Jesus uh, performing a miracle like this. But the doors were locked, but Jesus just showed up, and he said, Peace, baby, with you. Another way to say, don't be afraid. It's all good. He said, said to Thomas, room filled with people who had seen him, and he turns to the one who had not seen him. He says, hey, bud, I know where you're at. It's okay. I know where you're at. I, I, I know you're searching, man. I know, you, I know they've seen you, but I'm, I'm showing up for you today. Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Don't doubt. Believe. And, and I, I just believe God wants us to look up and find faith once again. He's the giver of faith. He, he started a mustard seed, and that faith grows as you step out in obedience to him. It's going to grow. It's going to grow with every step of obedience. It's just going to grow and grow, and it's going to start like this, but it's going to grow into a great shoot. It's a seed right now. It's going to become a great tree in his kingdom if you'll take that step of faith. God's calling us. He, he wants to show up for you. He wants to turn your mourning into dancing as we sang about in the first song. As the scriptures tell us, he brings joy to those who are sad. 
if you're sulking and worried about your failure, just know it's not by your success alone or by your success that we're saved or by your goodness that we're saved. It's by what Jesus has already prepared for us. We find hope in Him. If you find yourself sulking or scared, dealing with fear of the future or the present, look up. If you find yourself searching, look no further. Ask God, would you reveal yourself to me today? I want to know you. I want to know who you truly are. Will you stand with me today all across this room? And maybe you're there online and you're watching and you're asking, God, what are you doing in my life? Why am I listening to this thing still? Why, why am I watching this right in the room online? And I want to ask you, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, that's not because I'm worried about you looking at somebody else. I, I do want you to pray in this moment. And ask God, what are, you, what are you speaking to me? Just as he met with Cleopas, just as he met with Peter and his failure, just as he met with the women in their fear, just as he met with Thomas in his doubts, he meets with you and me wherever we're at. If you would just be honest with your eyes closed today and say, hey, Pastor, like I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling some of that. I'm feeling that fear and I need, I need, to, I need to look up. I'm, I'm dealing with some of that sadness and I want to turn my eyes. The eyes are the lamp of the body and it's revealing something going on in our soul. If that's you, Dane, just say, God, that's, that's resonating with me, Pastor. Will you just raise your hand and just say, yes, one of these is hitting home to me. It, it, it's me today. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes it's just good to know I'm not alone. I'm not alone feeling these things. Now, if you're in this room, just still with your, your head bowed and you say, hey, I don't have a relationship with God, like I, a genuine, like I, I can do the religious thing and kind of go through the motions, but, but I need to see him for myself in this moment. Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to see Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Would you just raise your hand, no matter where you're at? Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment, God. And just in the, the quiet and the stillness of the moment, God, we wait for you. And we trust you. God, we, can, we, we make a confession today as believers in this room and online and believers around the world that, God, you are who you said you were. You're not who we've made you to be. You are God, Lord of all creation, who came and bled and the word came and made his dwelling among us that we might know life, God. You became our sacrifice once and for all, the one mediator for sin. God, we love you today. We're thankful for the gospel. That is good news to us today. God, no matter what emotions we're feeling, no matter what we're carrying into this place, would you help us to walk away different because something has shifted in our soul. God, our eyes have been turned towards heaven. You have lifted our head at the cross and at the empty tomb. God, we love you today. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Come on, church. We're going to declare just the truth of the gospel one more time today before we close out. Let's celebrate all that God's done today.